This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be covered. Welcome to Monday after all that rain yesterday. My God, I bet we've all shrunk, haven't we? Gino's quit Celebrity Juice. I mean, to be honest with you, the programme's a pile of rubbish anyway. Uh, Melanie Sykes breaks down. Oh, I'm missing my kids. Well, you, you're the fool who went in in the first place to the jungle. Don't try and get the public vote now, dear. Nobody likes you anyway. 68,000 NHS workers were assaulted in a year. It's got to stop. Danny Dyer's picked some very dodgy people as his son's godparents. Nicole Kidman braved the rain for the London premiere of Paddington. And Hugh Bonneville was out there with his gorgeous wife. Uh, Paul Gascoigne is droning on about his alcoholism like I really care. And mad Frankie Fraser. He might go today, they say. He's 90. He's on his last legs. This is a man who spent most of his time actually in prison. I'll tell you about the stories a little bit later on. And what became of Adele? Answer, she's a very, very rich pop star. She didn't want to do the Bob Geldof thing. Lily Allen didn't want to do it. Loads of people don't want to do it. Why should you have to be bullied? But it is the fastest-selling single. And uh, will it do any good? No. Will it make any difference? No. Will it raise lots of money? Possibly. But then serve lots of other people. And they don't get any coverage. A few multi-millionaire pop stars go in there and, uh, and they record a single. And, you know, we've seen it before, and you'll probably see it again before the end of your life. Being over 50 is the happiest time of your life. They tell me that that's when... Well, I shall let you know when I get there. When I get there, I shall let you know if today I'm going to be woo-wee-doo and happy and happy and happy. I shall tell you the story of Craig Court, because I did go down there again the other day, just to, to refresh my memory of just how good it was. And on the programme, we take all your texts and emails. 84850steve.lbc.co.uk. The moment I saw that... Uh, Melanie Sykes had broken down in the jungle. I began to lose the will to live. What is it with these emotional cripples who we seem to stick in there? As one of the columnists said today, Gemma Collins should never have been allowed in. She said, what is it with these so-called celebrities? Is it anybody who can blow their nose and breathe as now a celebrity? That's what it's coming down to. She's got no talent at all. Really no talent. I mean, you know, if anybody had less talent, show me them. And I'll more than happily mention them on the programme. Oh, I found somebody. I've just realised. Yes, I was watching Made in Chelsea the other day. Now, I happened to flick on to a channel, and I, I, I knew I was watching it immediately, because there's a lot of OKR girls uh, sleeping with a lot of OKR boys. And uh, Louise Thompson, who seems to have done the rounds with just about everybody in Chelsea, uh, was sort of trying to win her latest boyfriend over, going, no, I, I really love you, and, you know, I wouldn't ever cheat on you, or this kind of thing. That seems to be her reputation. She doesn't exactly have the word difficult to pull stamped all over her. But the worst thing was that they all had sort of some dinner. And they're obviously in some sort of quite nice place. They go for dinner and... Is it Proudfoot? Proudlock? Proudfoot? Proudlock? Anyway, one of them, Oliver uh, Proudlock, turns up for dinner in a camouflage jacket with a hat on. Indoors. What a common little boy. I've never seen anybody actually sit indoors in a restaurant with a hat on. Pfft. I don't think he's posh so much as extremely common. Nobody wears a hat indoors. You take it off to eat dinner. And he sat there eating his dinner with a hat on. What a buffoon. What a buffoon. But there again, him and his sort of funny little friends. And you can only describe them as funny little friends. They don't, they're, they're all sort of going out with each other. That's all their lives seem to consist of. It seems to consist of who's actually going out with whom and how long will it last. And that was as far as it got. I was just saying, is it Proudfoot, Proudlock? Proud lot. He's sitting at dinner with his hat on. Indoors! I've never heard anything like it. Where, where, where does it say in Debrett's that you wear your hat indoors for dinner? 
You're obviously a very common little boy. You need to get your act together, mate. I mean, glasses and a hat? I don't think so. I don't think so. But uh, some of the other ones, they were all having arguments, and then Binky, that's Binky Felstead, whose parents gave her a very good education, and she's only claim to fame, her only claim to fame is the fact that she's modelled her underwear, which is great, so it's lovely. And uh, Louise... I mean, just, I don't know where to, where to begin with Louise. It's, she's, uh, who hasn't she been out with in the programme? She's been out with just about everybody. She seems to have done the rounds, doesn't she? And yet, the latest guy she's going out with, I think, is American, Alec. And I quite like him, but he quite clearly isn't prepared for just what an old tart she is. And so she goes, apparently, so I picked up, because I didn't actually follow it too carefully. She goes to a party, and then she wakes up there in the morning, but apparently nothing happened. And, 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 that's, and that's what the basis of the story was. And then Binky Felstead said, well, you know, I didn't like, you know, want to say anything. Uh, but, but she said nothing happened and I believe her. And I'm thinking, well, with Louise's track record, I mean, <laughs> I didn't believe her at all. But that's just me being cynical. That's what the programme is designed to do. It's designed to make you even more cynical than you were when you started watching it. So, as I've said a million times before, they're exactly the same as the, as the Made in Essex people. The only way is Essex, uh, except they, they do it with a classy accent. But they're all sleeping with each other. Everybody slept with everybody. Jamie Lang is looking a wee bit old to be on the programme now. It's like half of the cast of Chelsea. They've been there since day one. And they, they really shouldn't be there. I think we need. it's about time we put them out to pasture. It's what you do with animals, isn't it, before you put them down. You put them out to pasture, and Gemma Collins should be put out to pasture. I think Arge, we've seen enough of. He doesn't contribute to the programme. Bobby Cole Norris has really had his day, probably about a year ago. Um, and I can't think of anybody in there who's actually sort of worth the money. Some of the new girls, the language is terrible. I'm not a prude. I've said a million times before, you want to hear me swear? I can swear. Oh, can I swear ever? But I don't want to see it on the television. You wouldn't expect me to come on air and start saying, well, no, no, no. You know, about certain... Well, you probably would, actually. This programme would get fantastic ratings, even bigger than they are at the moment. People who say, have you heard him? He swears. He swears on the radio. I've never sworn once on the radio. I said bottom once. You know, and somebody wrote in and went, I think that's disgusting. So I, I wrote back and went, yep, certainly is. And I'm, I might say bum later. I don't know. You know, it's like one of those rude words that kids say. <laughs> and so yesterday I left here in the morning. We had a very nice little programme. We trucked our merry little way through, Beth and I, and we sort of got to the end of it. And then she disappeared. I don't know where she went. Had you done the podcast already? Oh, right. I, wonder, I, went, I went to open the door of the other little studio, which we use for recording in conversazione. And, uh, and it was empty, so I spoke to myself. I went, bye, see you later. And I know, I thought you said goodbye, but I couldn't remember. So, uh, so that was that yesterday. And then I walked out of here and it rained. All the way back to the car, it rained. Get in the car, still raining. Get home. I should have gone for a walk in Regent's Park, but, you know, not in this weather. It was terrible. And it chucked it down chucked it down and so then I thought I know what I'll do I, I, I got in and because we have to invoice monthly uh, at LBC if you're freelance anybody has to invoice monthly but because we're now coming into December we need to get the invoices in fast so the deadline is Wednesday for getting your invoice in for December because they pay you before Christmas before technically you all break up even though I don't break up because I'm here over Christmas and uh, so yesterday so I sat down and I thought I'll do the invoice now and, you know, it's so much easier when you're sober. Uh, you know, it really, you can actually work out the days. And it's quite a long month, December. It's 23 days, which is good, because I get paid by the day. You know, I have a daily rate, as indeed does every presenter on the station. And so I did the invoice and uh, did that. And then I thought, I can't stay in all day. I need to go out and get some air. I know. I'll go and buy. Hang on. Hang on. <coughs> Sorry. And, and again. Another one. <coughs> Thank you. Right. 
Um, was oh, yes. So I said, I've, I've got to go out and buy something. So I thought, I'll go out and buy a frying pan. I do buy a lot of frying pans, it has to be said. At the moment, I'm into Seracraft, which are these uh, ceramic frying pans. But the frying pan that I use a lot has got um, a glass lid on it, and, and it steams and it does everything else. Now, Seracraft, I've got two pans, but I don't have a lid that fits. So I go out and I thought, should I buy a frying pan? Then I looked at the frying pan, I couldn't remember what size mine was. So I see the Seracraft lid, they make a lid for nine ninety nine. so I thought, I'll buy it. So I buy it. It takes for ages to get into Richmond because the high street is closed. They had a very busy workman there, sitting there with, uh, you know, pouring himself a nice cup of tea. They seem to have breaks every five minutes, workmen. So everybody was diverted around the green. It was traffic chaos. Traffic chaos. So it took us for ages. In the end, I walked over Richmond Bridge. Everybody got off the bus and we all walked. Uh, you know, and I, I nearly took a picture of the bloke sitting there with a the little flask, pouring his drink out. Nobody doing any work. And so the whole Richmond High Street was uh, was sealed off. And so you had to go all the way round the green, which is a heck of a trek round. Oh, God, it's disastrous. Anyway, so I go in there and I buy the Seracraft lid. Thinking, I've got the Seracraft pans. What happens? I take it home and it's too big. It doesn't fit my, my frying pans. I've got two. So it's a 28 centimetre frying pan. So I had to go on to Amazon because I thought, I'm not going to go all the way back into Richmond. It just takes forever. So I'm going to order it on Amazon. So I ordered it on Amazon. Then I ordered. Then I got carried away and ordered. Now that's what they call music 375 or whatever it is. Because I like those. I play them in the car. Trying to spot how many tunes I know. And how many tunes I have no idea of. And, uh, and I looked out the window and it just carried on raining. And it just went on and on and on and on and on. So in the end I made some phone calls. Unfortunately a friend of mine, her father is dying at the moment. And it's a bit traumatic. I mean she knows, I mean he's, he's fairly old. Well, in fact, he's very old. He's 92, but it's still a shock. She's lost her mother, and now her father's dying, and they've started administering um, morphine. But they can't tell you anything. They can only say, we don't think it's going to be very long. He stopped eating, and he stopped having water. And that's when people get very dry, but their body's closing down. And he's 92, bless him. He's had a, he's had a fantastic innings, and it's, it's giving her amazing stress. As you can imagine, it would. And uh, she was supposed to have gone away this week up north to go on some course or something. And she said, I don't think I can go. So anyway, yesterday she spoke to her boss and he said, no, no, you must stay. So we don't know if it's going to be today. We don't know if it's going to be tomorrow. We have no idea. But if he's, if he's not drinking, I don't think it's too far away. So she's prepared for it. It's not as if it's one of those things where, you know, one minute somebody's upright and the next minute they're not. This has been going on for quite some time. And uh, I think for everybody concerned, dreadful though it may, may sound, it's going to be a blessed relief. Blessed release, relief for him, blessed release, relief for her and for, the, uh, and for the family. But at the moment, we're going through this very stressful thing where, she, you know, she's tried to sort of hold it all together. And she's doing his washing. And of course, because he's 92, he's got to the stage of incontinence. And that, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's your mother or your father. It's, you know, how nurses deal with things, I've got no idea. When you look at the things that they, they have to do, you know, something as simple, you know, Ollie's talking about dog poo and everything else. Imagine if it's your parent who's gone incontinent and you have to deal with it. It's really difficult, really difficult. I defy anybody. That's why I have great admiration for nurses and anybody who works within the NHS. So when you read a story in the paper, and you've noticed how I've dragged that back to a news story, uh, 68,000 people in the NHS who were attacked last year, you think, no. Why would somebody want to attack somebody who does so much good? 
I really don't understand it. It's like policemen are being told, you know, don't wear your uniforms out on the street when you finish your shift in case you get attacked. What sort of society have we got? And don't even bring me onto the gun thing in America. I didn't know where to begin with that. But again, you're in a city in America. And remember, gun crime is rife. Gun crime is rife in America. Over here, we've had a similar thing. People bringing guns back that aren't really guns. They're lighters. I've seen some of them. And, of course, if you hold it up to somebody, you have to make a decision, don't you? Is that a real gun or is that a fake gun? And if it's a real gun, are they going to fire and kill you first? This was the trouble. This was the, the dilemma that was facing the police officers the other day. So you've got a 12-year-old boy, and bearing in mind, when you say 12 and when I say 12, we probably think little, you know, little kid with sort of a Superman T-shirt and that kind of thing. They're, they're, you know, 12-year-olds are quite big nowadays, quite big. And um, he's brandishing this gun. They don't know if it's real or not. It looks real. You've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision. And they ask him to put his hands up. He refuses, so they shoot him. What else could they do? What else could they do? I've seen a picture of him. He don't, I don't know. He might be a tall 12. Whatever it is, they say you put your hands up, you put your hands up. In America, somebody's waving a gun around on a swing. You've got to take that snap decision. Is that gun real or is it fake? Quarter past four. On LBC. Nick Rari and the team this morning as nurses, midwives and hospital workers stage a second strike in a month. Nick will be asking, are we putting patients at risk over a pay rise? Plus, Nick talks exclusively to the parent who faced losing her children when she left their two-year-old child alone for ten minutes to go and buy some medicine. Looking at the papers today for Nick, it's Sarah Jane Mee, sports presenter for Sky News and Sky Sports. And Lisa Aziz is here at 6.30 with the morning news. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. We take no prisoners today after that miserable blooming weather the other day. And the only thing that cheered me up was doing my invoice for December. That was the only, that was the only ray of hope. And today I've got to do my VAT which is always terribly exciting. Terribly exciting. Uh, Matthew's one of my 4am spikes. I've just bought a halogen oven because of you. He said it's fab. I tell you, you won't be disappointed with a halogen oven. I use it for everything. Sausages, it's brilliant at. And roast potatoes. Woo, lovely. Very nice indeed. Uh, so, the papers this morning. What delights do we have? What non-entities are in there? Do you know, I cannot get excited about Lewis Hamilton and Nicole Scherzinger. I'm not remotely interested. Man puts foot down on accelerator. Who gives us stuff? I couldn't care less. It really is the most boring thing under the sun. What's the point of it? What is the point of it? All it is, is overpaid people. It's a bit like footballers. You know, you can kick a ball from here to there. And then you can you get it in that big thing called the net? Yep, there you go. 300,000 a week. And Lewis Hamilton, who's just so covered with sponsorship logos... It's just a bit embarrassing, really. I just can't, I can't understand it at all. I really do not understand blurred adverts whizzing round at over 100 miles an hour. What's the point? Millions and billions of pounds are sunk into it. For what reason? You can't go any faster than 70 on our roads anyway. What's the point? I've got a car that could do 160. 70 is what I do. 70, it's pointless. And then because he puts his foot down, people think he's a hero. I'll tell you what, I'll put my foot down and see how long I last. Not very long at all. This Friday, you're going to go mad, aren't you? You're going to go mad shopping um, because it's it's called Black Friday, apparently. I don't know why it's called Black Friday. I can't think of any other reason. Apart from that, they're all going to be very happy because you're spending loads of money in the shops. Because most of you get paid tomorrow. If you're a paid monthly person, you'll be paid tomorrow. And that means that you can go out there and you can buy loads of things for Christmas. And you should really get out there and start buying for Christmas because otherwise we're going to have parents on the television. Oh, we tried to get a frozen doll and we couldn't get it. 
you know, we tried Amazon and they'd sold out. But, of course, if you plan it and think about it beforehand, then it should be all right. And then, of course, there will be the usual family, won't there? Shall, shall I make a prediction now? There'll be the family. They're on their last legs. They've got all their presents. And then the burglars break in and steal everything. Every year it's happened. I think the same burglar must be listening to LBC going, oh, I must get round to nicking Christmas presents again. So they break into somebody's house when they're out. And they've got all the presents under the tree, like mid-November. And, um, and they nick them. And then the family go, we haven't got any presents. And everybody rallies around and we buy them another load of presents. I mean, it, it happens without... without I doubt every single year. Nicole Scherzinger uh, and uh, Prince Harry. Does he actually do anything, Prince Harry? Does he just turn up for the freebies? And here he is. He called the Formula One winner a legend. So there you go. It's all very exciting, isn't it? All very exciting. Why is it called Black Friday? I better tell you, actually. Uh, coined by the Philadelphia police due to the traffic chaos when shoppers flocked to the sales on the day after Thanksgiving, the fourth Thursday in November. It's also been claimed Black Friday comes from retailers operating at a financial loss from January until November when they go from being in the red into the black. What a load of old cobblers. What a load of old cobblers. They all plead poverty. Oh, we're not making any money at all. Do you know how many little, little people went under last year? Supplies for the supermarkets. Nearly 200 supplies went under because the supermarkets, the big supermarkets, pressure them. So, in other words, what, what they do is, just supposing I, I grow tomatoes... In Twickenham. Just supposing I'm a tomato grower and I sell to Supermarket X. And Supermarket X says, hello. And I go, hello. And they go, we're going to pay you uh, £20 a tonne, whatever it is, for your uh, for your tomatoes. And I go, that's great. And we'll take all of your crop. Fantastic. So they pay you £20 a tonne. And for a couple of years, you keep supplying them. And then they come to you and go, I can't pay £20 a tonne now. I can only pay you £10 a tonne. And you go... But I can't make ends meet. You know, it costs me more than that to actually produce the things. And they go, kind of tough, isn't it? And that's when they literally, on a great height, on you, and uh, you lose it. And all of a sudden your business goes under. Because what you've done is, you've effectively got rid of all the, the little local people that you supply in order to fulfil the big supermarkets. And that's what they do. They, they pressure people. They pressure people. And they, they push them under. So, in other words, farmer, we had a farmer committed suicide the other day. It's not a rare occurrence, I'm afraid, where they uh, go out. He was 72. He uh, threw himself in front of a train because they wanted to pay less for his milk than he could produce it for. He actually, I mean, he just couldn't make ends meet anymore. Farmers, you know, contrary to what you might think about farmers being absolutely loaded, they're not in a lot of cases. They're really not. It's very difficult to actually make a living, especially once you get caught into some of the big supermarkets. And that applies across the board. Meat, vegetables. If you looked at the price that they're, they're paying for things, you'd be horrified. Absolutely horrified. So that's why, you know, when they all plead poverty, all these supermarkets, it's a load of old codswallop. It really is, I'm afraid. Uh, so over in the jungle, the, uh, the family dramas, old tart Kendra. Um, she's uh, away from her husband at the moment. Uh, her, her mother thinks she's uh, just disgusting. And I have to be honest, I, I, she was doing crack cocaine at the age of 14. You know, just your average lifestyle, isn't it, really? Because we were all doing that, weren't we? I was doing crack cocaine. 12. You know, might as well sort of knock a few years off it. No, 14 she was doing it. And uh, all she is, she's just some old tart who takes her clothes off, lived at the Playboy Mansion, had a fling with Hugh Hefner. And, um, and you know, 88-year-old man, bed 23-year-old. Makes you feel slightly queasy, I realise. And, uh, and then for some reason, they obviously found her and they dragged her over here. For what reason? I've got no idea. She doesn't contribute to anything. She's currently flirting with sort of Jake Quickenden. That'll be the failure from the X Factor. 
You know, what is it? What do you have to do to be a celebrity now? Breathe, apparently. That's all it occurs to me. You have to do. And so uh, Mel has broken down in tears. Pals fear she'll crack as she misses her two children. This is a woman who dumped her two children. Let's not forget it. She dumped them for the filthy lucre. That's what she did. So she's having a bit of a nightmare. You know, she's over there, oh, with my children. Well, you went in there, love. Nobody forced you to do it. No other work on the horizon? Probably not. Probably not. And apparently she got a care package from home and she didn't want to flirt with anybody in case her, her children saw her, her son saw her. This, of course, is OK to be the uh, ghastly old baggage that she has been up until now. What on earth do they think that, you know, these, these children are thinking about her mother? In fact, her husband said she was so drunk on the wedding night, she was slurring her words and doing all sorts of... I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know why you'd ever think she wasn't a big drunk. I don't know why. I seriously never, I, don't, I don't know why we sort of seem to think that if you're on the television, you're whiter than white, because these people aren't half the time. And so Jack Cockings has sold his uh, story... Uh, People fear she could crack up because she hates being apart from her sons. What's she going in the jungle for, then? Is she stupid? I'm sorry, you're going to Australia, dear. Oh, right, does that mean I'll be apart from my children? Uh, kind of think so, yeah. I don't know, I mean, you're happy to do that, are you? Just sort of, you know, just sort of dump them on somebody while you go off to pretend to be a celebrity. Shame on you. Shame on you. Outrageous. Uh, what a pity. Steve Backshill has been voted off strictly. Mind you, the good news is at least we've seen the back of Ola Jordan. Mind you, we've also seen the front, the sideways view. We've seen just about everything of Ola Jordan. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Her and her ghastly husband. And uh, so all that leaves now, because he, he, he did the jive. I think safer for him, he's, he's out and he goes back to his normal life. I've often said, you know, it's, you're, you're dealing with somebody, in her case, who's so fiercely ambitious, she'd sell her grandmother down the river. You know, she's, she's brought out a calendar... I mean, she's a ballroom dancer. I mean, honestly, if ever there was a lame job, it would be ballroom dancing. What do you do, love? A ballroom dance. Oh, do you really? How boring. How dull. We've seen all the other ones, haven't we? Tony Beak. They're all out there. We've seen Brendan Cole. They've all got their own shows in the West End. There's more dancing shows, but I think the average age of the audience is about 90. I don't think anybody under sort of 35 goes to watch this this kind of stuff. Uh, what else do we have in the uh, paper for today? Um... Oh, why did I save this one? Oh, yes, Mad Frankie Fraser's Critically Ill. Good. <laughs> what can I tell you? This is a man who has spent 42 years in prison and he's got 26 convictions, including torture. OK? Like, I mean, you have to realise he's been certified mentally ill on more than one occasion. I interviewed him on LBC. He came in. He was a dirty little man then. He came and he was going out with, uh, with some young woman. He came in. The trouble is, there's a look to some people. He looks like he was a criminal. He doesn't look like he was ever a male model. He looks like he was a criminal. And he came in with his suit, and he's very quietly spoken. And I said to him, so... Because um, I wasn't sure whether or not he was going to kill me in the studio. You'd have to be sort of reasonably aware of him. And I said, so do you remember the first time that you attacked somebody? I did, Steve. I did, he said. I remember. He said, I was in prison. And he's only a little bloke. He's tiny. And he said, uh, you know, people used to pick on me. He said, and a prison, prison officer picked on me. He said, so I had to lay him out, didn't I? He said, because otherwise, he said, others would have picked on me. And so he made his mark from a very early age. It's quite an interesting story, you know, because his entire life has been crime. He hasn't known anything else. He used to do tours around London, pointing out all the famous things. But he's 90, so, I mean, you know, memory's a little bit vague, I should imagine. But they say he's on his last legs, and uh, he's likely to go any time soon. So we'll let you know. Uh, LBC News Time, 4.30. <laughs> Poor old 
Zora Suleiman a moment ago. Are you all right, Poppet? Yeah, thank you. Sorry, I had a coughing fit midway oh through, just Lord. as I started. I've had I that before. So sorry. I've had that before, where all of a sudden, it's like a tickle in your throat. Yes, and I couldn't get rid of it, you and I thought I could um, <gasps> go on. I'm really sorry. Is it OK now? It is. Thank you. I've had a glass of water, yeah. and I'm sorted. Oh, but... I had it. Mine lasted for ages. In fact, I barely got through a programme one time oh, really? where it just... I couldn't stop it tickling. I don't know what it is. It's all right if you work on a music station because you don't have to speak as much as we do. Exactly. But uh, better now? Yes, thank you. Okay. Take care. See you later. Bye. There she is. So she's better, just in case. A lot of people worried. Yeah, she okay? Because I had that once. The worst thing I ever had was when LBC's newsroom was about, seemed like half a mile from the actual news desk, and they gave me the bulletin to read because I was reading on the hour. And this was about an 11 o'clock bulletin at night. And I ran in because I could hear the music counting down and the voiceover going from LBC, the news. Et and then I had to go, it's 11 o'clock, this is Steve Allen. And I got there and I couldn't breathe because I'd ran. And, and I was hoping that the first story was what they call um, a clip story. So in other words, you had a line into it and then it would go to um, you know, a bit of audio, which gave you the break. It didn't. The first three stories were all copy. And I looked at them thinking, I'm going to die. And as I went through the first story, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't catch my breath. And I sounded like I was going to expire. But, of course, you just have to soldier on. And you go... <sighs> and it sounded, really, it sounded so horrendous. But there's nothing at the time you can do about it. You can do absolutely nothing, which is terrible. Uh, 84850, uk. Let's try and squeeze in as much as your... Uh, as many of your texts and emails as we possibly can. The, the producer said, she said, um, so, uh, so, so what is it about this, uh, this little man who spent all of his time in prison? I said, well, he's, he's mad, I'm afraid. Mad for, and that's why he was called Mad Frankie Fraser, because he slashed at people and did all sorts of things. He wasn't pleasant. But the trouble is now, he's, he's, he's a bit like, you know, the great train robber Ronnie Biggs. They're just sad old men who came from a different generation. It was completely different, completely different. I mean, nowadays, the, the crime is so much more sophisticated than Frankie Fraser and Ronnie Biggs could ever do. Now it's cybercrime. That's what makes the most money. People accessing your computer, getting in there. It's worth billions a year. You know, the craze were a total failure because they didn't understand how gambling worked. They had a place called Esmeralda's Barn, which was, a, which was just rubbish because they didn't realise how to skim you know, they had a casino, but all they did was entertain all their pals. And, they, I mean, and really, they entertained some big pals. They were sort of a big noise in the East and the West End in, in the days when, you know, club ruled. Nowadays, of course, it's completely different. And the, the crimes that people commit are more likely to be uh, something attached to a cash point. You know, you get these... Fa I'm constantly looking at cash points, aren't you? You go to a cash point and you've heard of people who put fake covers on. So I sometimes try and pull them away just in And I'm thinking, if it takes my card and it gives me the money, does that mean it's OK? Because I've, I've got a great story from one of our, one of our regular listeners uh, who has uh, been, been avid. Oh, I've got, I, I must tell you this other thing. Before I, before I tell you uh, Nicky, the bus driver's uh, story, I've got the story of Craig Court. But I got a thing the other day, and this was sent to me at... Uh, what was it sent to me? I think here. came here. And it's from... Um, eBay. And it says, Dear customer, 
Your eBay account has been temporarily locked because it looks like someone used it without your permission. Your email address may have been tampered with, so you might not have received any emails about the unauthorised transactions. We cancelled those unauthorised transactions and credited any associated fees. You'll have to update your account with us. The information is on a secure computer. I don't have an account with eBay. <laughs> of course, it's, a, it's an absolute con. It's rip-off. It's rip-off. And so what they do, what, what they're looking for is for you to give them all your account details. And, of course, some people might fall for this, but um, I've never had an eBay account. I've never used eBay in my entire life. Never used it at all. And they say, uh, we're sorry, because otherwise, and you can always tell that it's fake because they don't know who you are. So they just write, dear customer. It's like, duh. Beth going, oh, really? Oh, of course, Beth. Because uh, otherwise they'd know who you were and they don't know. And they do say, uh, the information that you're going to send us is on a secure computer that can't be accessed by anyone who doesn't have permission. That'll be you, won't it? That'll be you. And it's the update account, section seven, and it comes up, unauthorised use of your account. Which I got one a short while ago, well, about a year ago, uh, from Lloyd's Bank, saying somebody tried to access my bank account. I'm not with Lloyd's Bank. And then I got one from Barclays. I'm not with Barclays. And you think to yourself, I wonder how many people respond and click on and put their information in. Loads! Loads! And the reason is that they, that they think it looks genuine. So, in other words, what they do is they will send out millions of these. I mean, they're literally, there will be hundreds of thousands, if not millions, around the world, working on the assumption that at least 10% will respond. At least 10% of people will respond. So they're going to end up with the information that they want to drain your bank account. I got a thing yesterday. My bank are really hot. Really hot. They uh, they phoned. They, they sent me a text yesterday. They said somebody's tried to put something through on your credit card. And uh, can you let us know? And it was a an, it was an American site that I tried to access, put it through, and my bank, who are quite vigilant, in fact they're very vigilant, had declined the card because they didn't know the company. I was trying to buy some Christmas stuff. And they didn't know the company, so they declined it. So this, this company in America put down, your card has been declined. Would you like to try again? So I tried again, and again the card was, was declined. So I thought, oh, it's obviously, perhaps it's one of these stupid, you know, account things in America whereby they don't recognise a British card. So I thought nothing more of it until I get the text message on my phone from my bank saying, somebody's tried to put through 19... Pounds, I think it was, £19, about $28 worth of stuff, uh, which was declined. We haven't paid it. Did you know about it? So I wrote back, because I couldn't think straight away, I wrote back, no. So they then uh, said, call our fraud line. So I'm being wary. I'm thinking, is this really my bank's fraud line? Because I've called them before. So I call the main switchboard of the bank, which is down in South End. And when I accessed my, or put my number in of my credit card, it took me straight to the fraud department, and so we went through it. And he said, no, he said, did you try to put through something this morning in America for £19? And I said, yes. He said, we declined it, he said, but if, if you know what it is, he said, then we, we can authorise it now. I said, no, it's fine. I said, I'm, I'm not particularly bothered. I don't want Christmas lights anymore. Bar humbug. And so that's how fast they were on it. On a Sunday morning, they were that, they were that good. They were that good. So I was, I was really pleased about it. So when I read of people being ripped off, because I have been ripped off before, it's very easy to be ripped off with credit cards, garages and certain restaurants. When I spoke to Barclay Cards some years ago, they said garages. You know why? Transient staff. Transient staff. So when you go in there and used to hand over your credit card, they'd put it through the machine. Most of the time, they put it through twice. And I remember when mine was done 
in a garage in Richmond, which isn't there anymore. And the bloke put it through twice. He put it through once on this machine, and they swiped it through something else. And I remember thinking at the time, that's a bit odd, but nothing happened for three months. Then they started using the card. They didn't want the card, they wanted the information on it. And because it was a gold card, they worked on the assumption, and it was true, that people who've got a gold American Express card will spend more money than anybody else. So, in other words, if you start putting through a 1,000, nobody's going to bother with it. And so they did. And they started putting money through. And, uh, and you obviously knew what sort of person it was because they were putting through sportswear. Well, you know, I remember when, when they finally phoned me up and said, uh, we're just checking, there's been some strange uh, activity on your account. Have you bought some sportswear in whichever sports, big, one of the big sports retailers? I said, listen, if you saw me, you would realise that there was no chance that I've ever bought sportswear in my entire life. And also, I'm not chavvy enough to go around in tracksuits. So that was that. And so they said, oh, right. And then, of course, we had the problem that they put through £9,000 worth of stuff. So, obviously, somebody inside the sports shop was as bent as they were because it should have gone through, and each shop has got what they call a floor limit. In other words, if it's £1,000, automatically, when that card goes through, they will phone and check it's you using the card. So, somebody in this sports shop, which is very well known on the high street, was quite clearly bent and probably still is working there now. But, anyway, we managed to stop them uh, because they tried to buy a car. They tried to buy a car with a credit card because on a gold American Express, there's no credit limit. If you spend 50,000 quid in a month, you pay back 50,000. It's not like Visa, where you sort of pay a percentage. I think this year, my, my Visa bill is so small, or my MasterCard or whatever it is, that um, it's. I think the minimum payment was a fiver, but we, we don't do minimum pay. We just pay the whole lot off. I think I spent something like £23 this month, which, of course, is great coming up to Christmas, isn't it? Not that I'm going to max it out. Tuppy Art is back. I wonder why. I was thinking about you the other day, actually, thinking, where's Scatless? He's disappeared. And then blow me down. Every time I think about somebody, up they come again. Rupert, the policeman. Hadn't heard from him for ages. And then he sends me a text, they're going off on an operation. And I thought, isn't that. Perhaps I'm psychic. Perhaps I'm psychic and I don't know I'm psychic, which is even better. Perhaps I've got a spirit guide. Wow! Wonder what sort of spirit guide I would have. Hope they speak English. That'd be useful, wouldn't it, if you've got a spirit guide who speaks English. But if you get any of these, you know, things saying there's been unauthorised use of your account, and let's say you use your name and they know a bit about you, just throw it away. Throw it away. I know it takes... It's like somebody writes to you and goes, congratulations, you've won money in the Spanish Zimbabwean lottery. And you have to ask yourself the question, did you buy a ticket for it? If you didn't, why have you won it? And yet, happily, a lot of elderly people send off money to these places. They send off money... And they um, and they wonder why they get ripped off. And their name and address and details are passed to another company who's going to rip them off as well. And before you know where you are, thousands has gone out of their account because they think that they're online for a big check. And, of course, they're not. And you can't, you can't explain to people. I've done it over the years, and it doesn't seem to make any difference. People just are taken advantage of, and they... Um, and they seem to go with it because they believe that somebody somewhere wants to be nice to them. Nobody wants to be nice to you. Not even me. Not even me. All I'll do is warn you that these things are, are fairly dangerous and you can get conned out of it. What you have to make sure is that uh, you're not the one who is, uh, who is caught out. Still to come, Nicky, the bus driver, the blonde bus driver's story of, uh, of, of an intro. Well, you'll like this story. You'll like this a lot. And, uh, and the true story of Craig's Court. Remember I told you about this, the house from the 1700s that's stuck in a time warp. And you can see it now, but it's kind of hidden away. It's a little bit of hidden London, and I'll tell you about that in a moment. It's quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. 
Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Noreen says, dreadfully wet and miserable day the other day. Still not managed to get the Iceland mince pies. We did, we did, we got the mince pies. I'm sure Brian will smell them out sometimes. They've got to say the word luxury on there. Don't buy anything else from Iceland unless it says luxury mince pies. John uh, Warrington is cruising in the med at the moment. Am I jealous, she says? Question mark. Yes. And uh, Nikki, the blonde bus driver. She drives the 176. And says, I thought I'd share a story which happened to me on Saturday. Because I've, I've taken the 176 on a regular... We've both taken it, yeah. See, more incorporated in this programme than you realise. But, uh, but Nikki drives it every so often. Sometimes she'll say, Molly, Steve. And I get a couple like that. I've had a couple of inspectors as well. Anyway, she was on a route which goes through Brixton, the area that everybody steers well away from except Christo. She says, I was in the bus stop when I saw a guy ripping a cash machine out of the wall. He was literally pulling the wires out. My guess was it took his cart and he wanted it back. And being in Brixton, everybody was just looking at him and, well, that's about it. But to me, being eagle-eyed, I spotted a police car with two officers in it, having a little break. I told them what I just saw. They asked me, what do you mean, the guy's ripping the cash machine out? I said, yep, you'll see the damage he's done. Off they went to check it out. On the way back... I saw the same officers and the cash machine guy in handcuffs. At that moment, I had a smile and I thought maybe that was the reason I was on that route that day. Another idiot was off the streets. Made my day, she says, looking forward to the Monday morning show. So there you go, Nikki. Well done. See, I would do the same thing. I would do exactly the same thing as you. But, uh, you know, I quite like to drive a bus. One of these days I might actually get to drive a bus. I wouldn't stop for anybody. I'd have a look at where the bus stop as I came up to get. No, I don't think so. I'll just keep going. <laughs> Not popular, I can imagine. Not popular with anybody at all. Uh, 84850, steve So, um, the, uh, the NHS workers who get assaulted in a year, outrage over the rocketing numbers of attacks. One man says here, a guy called Richard, he said, I've been bitten and headbutted. It's, I mean, it's absolutely appalling that somebody would actually do this, isn't it? Um... Most of the bites, punches, kicks and stabbings are understood to be carried out when staff are trying to treat or support patients. I think they should be given tasers. I really do. I don't see why anybody should have to put up with something like that. Uh, Many assaults are not even reported. You know, there are... And and we've all seen the footage on television, haven't we, of people attacking people in A&E. I'm afraid I'd have them thrown bodily out into the street, the door locked, and go, you're not coming in here for treatment, you can die outside as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's actually up, 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 up. They've had stabbing cases where we've been told the perpetrator is gone. Then out of nowhere, they're back and doing everything they can to stop us treating the patient. These people are a bit stupid, aren't they? Imagine we do see stupid people out on the streets. We see them every day in London. You probably see them where you live. They're all over the place. Kelly Maloney's in the papers again. I'm so bored with Kelly Maloney. I really couldn't care less whether Frank Maloney wants to turn into Godzilla or Dracula. I'm not interested. I really haven't. He says, I've been through hell, but still I'll have the final op. I don't care, dear. Just do it and keep your big mouth shut. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. We know enough about transgender people now. We don't need old men trying to sort of educate us. I don't need educating. I don't care. You know, if you want to have your bits chopped off and bits added, that's your business. You know, keep it yourself, keep it private. You know, so we had the face-op hell, didn't we, the other day. This is how bad my face looks. Everybody who's had cosmetic surgery looks that bad. They don't look, they, they don't walk out of the cosmetic surgeons looking absolutely fantastic. They really don't. But, I mean, for goodness sake, shut up. Nobody cares. You know, if, if it's your family, great, talk to your family about it. Don't bother the rest of us with it. Saints Preservers, EastEnders' Danny Dyer. 
Yes, a man of kind of a conversation without swearing all the way through it, has made a wicked choice of godparents for his little boy. Kirk Norcross, dirty little boy, dirty little boy, and a former page three jailbird. Anyway, the 37-year-old actor who plays Mick Carter, I couldn't have won that if they'd asked me on a programme, I wouldn't have known what he played, and uh, his, uh, his partner, Joe Mass, have christened their little boy Artie in a church ceremony. Kirk who had to apologise last year after explicit pictures of him performing a sex act on himself emerged online was Godfather. The Godmother is Tracy Kirby, 48. She spent two years in Holloway prison after getting caught, unknowingly smuggling money for an international drugs ring. God. They're all there, aren't they? Uh, somebody said, Kurt Norcross is a great guy and his Godfather is a lovely fella. He's a complete and utter buffoon. A complete and utter buffoon. What an idiot. What an idiot. Um. There was a car here. They're going to be talking about this, I think, with Nick Ferrari this morning. And it's somebody who was... Um, oh, no, actually, this is a separate one. This is somebody who, who managed to get a car ticket on their car in 12 seconds. Twelve. We had a case, which Nick Ferrari's doing this morning, uh, of a woman who goes to get... Um, I forget what it is, actually. She goes to get... Um, is it Calpol? That's right. And so she leaves a kitty alone in the car for 10 minutes. Well, that's the big mistake. You don't leave... I'm, I'm sorry. I'm kind of with them on that one. You don't leave a kitty in the car for ten minutes. I mean, how do we know it's only going to be ten minutes? You don't know. It might be longer than ten minutes. And so, you know, that's why... Nick will be talking about it today. And uh, she faced losing the children because she left a two-year-old alone. for te- Well, you don't leave a two... I'm sorry, you don't leave them alone. I'm sorry. I'm, I know that's not going to be a popular thought this morning, but... I'm telling you, you don't leave them alone for ten minutes. It doesn't matter whether it's ten minutes or ten seconds. You do not leave them alone. What is it about parents who don't understand? When somebody said, you know, I'm just, I'm only nipping out to go and get some Calpol. Well, how long were you? I was only ten minutes. Well, it could have been 15, could have been 20. What happens if you'd got back and the child had gone missing? You know, would you be doing another, oh, I don't know what happened there. Just sort of left the child alone for ten minutes. Oh, right, OK. A, a two-year-old child. You know what they're like at two? They scream the place down. Scream it down. I can't understand why anybody ever leaves children alone. I don't care if it was ten seconds or ten minutes. You just don't do it. You don't do it. And then, of course, they moan about it afterwards, don't they? Ooh, I had no idea it was going to go like this. Well, what did you think? What did you think? They don't understand, do they? They don't understand. You're dealing with a mentality that's way, way, way out of our, uh, our line. Online shopping giant Amazon have halted sales of that vodka that killed a girl at her 18th birthday party. Do you remember? It's 95% proof. And she was doing shots in Australia, and her friends were encouraged, go on, have another shot, have another shot. It's 95% proof. It says, do not drink neat. Mix, mix, mix. This is uh, Polish liquor. It's called Spiritus Rectificocanwi. Still being sold in the UK. Don't touch it with a barge pole. I'm warning you now. You know, you'd have to be pretty mentally ill, wouldn't you, to touch this. She died after downing just a few shots. It is a number, it's just one of a number of dangerous drinks available in the UK. Spirits are usually between 35 and 40%. This is 95% proof. 95% proof. Small wonder she's dead. 35 quid. This is being sold. There's also a a Bacardi. 75.5%. Blimey. That's being sold for 80 quid through a website. Amazon have said they are removing these drinks. Well, I should well think so too. Mind you, it only goes to prove, doesn't it, you know, you've got to do responsible drinking. You've got to make sure that you're aware of what you can do and what you can't do. 
and you can't drink 95%. I mean, Nicole, at her birthday... And your people, are, I've seen them on the telly. Go on, drink it, drink it, drink it, neck it, neck it, neck it. Just so they get completely blotto. And then they spin them round. And, you know, that's why a lot of pubs don't serve snake bite, which is lager and cider. Because it's it's the cheap student drink. You know what students are like? Ooh. Off the trolleys most of the time for as cheap as possible. And so they drink this kind of stuff. And it's just really bad for you. It's shots. What do they call it? What are these other shots that are doing the rounds at the moment? Jägermeisters. What the... Jäger bombs. Is it Jäger bombs? Because when I first heard what they were, I thought, what the dickens is a Jäger bomb? What is it? Is it sort of like a shot? And, uh, Jägermeister and Red Bull. What is Jägermeister? Is that some sort of liqueur or something? Oh, right. And you mix them together and then you throw them back. For what purpose? Is it just, just for getting really drunk? You see, I don't, I don't quite understand that. I have been really drunk. I have been really drunk. You know, I have staggered out of places thinking, oh, I wish I hadn't drunk so much. I just want to get home. You know, you want to click your fingers like that and put your heels together and make sure you're back in bed. But uh, you see people in, and they, they just obviously just want to get drunk very quickly. In the case of this girl here, Nicole, she's dead because she was doing these shots and all her friends were encouraging her. There was no sort of responsible drinking there. She bought it. Even though, when she bought it, I think she bought it online, it did say, remember, you must mix this. You know, put it with Diet Coke or Coke, whatever whatever you drink your, your drinks with. But don't ever, ever drink it neat. Because your, your little body can't handle it at all. X Factor Beauty, Chloe Jasmine Wichello admitted she got to sixth base with Stevie Richard, but said, I'm not ashamed. Well, of course you're not ashamed. Unfortunately, I've noticed you're not on the X Factor tour either. So, not only not ashamed, but not on the tour, which is a shame here. Um, uh, years, uh, sorry, uh, last night after belting out, this is the moment from Jekyll and Hyde, he landed in the bottom two. So they can both go their own separate ways. What she's going to do now, I've got no idea. Showed up at Winter Wonderland the other day. I don't know why. Another reject. Another reject from the X Factor, but definitely not um, not touring with them. There was, a, there was a list of people. I can't find it now. Can you find the list of um, X Factor tour 2015, and I could tell you exactly who's uh, who's going to be in it, but she certainly wasn't on my list the other day. Uh, Frankie Fraser, they say he's being kept alive on a life support machine. Uh, he's one of the few surviving mobsters from the 60s turf war between the Richardsons and the Craze. He worked for Billy Hill. He earned 50 quid a time carrying out razor blade attacks. Just thought I'd you know, let the producer know of that one. And he also used to pull victims' teeth out with a pair of pliers. So uh, he's been living in sheltered housing. You see, after all these years of being, you know, being sort of one of these mobsters, he's living in sheltered accommodation. You know, it's a bit of, bit of a come down, isn't it? Bit of a come down, I thought. But there he is. Uh, a woman at the uh, Brighton home of Frankie's son, Francis, says he's gone to be with his father. And then somebody else said, his ex-partner, who's, who's Marilyn Wisby, daughter of the great train robber Tommy Wisby says, it's a terrible shock. Frank's the most honest man I've known. There you go. It's a different world, isn't it, you see? That's why nobody understands it. It's LBC. Coming up in the next hour of the uh, programme this morning, Venice bans suitcases with wheels. Everybody's got suitcases. You can always spot them. On a Saturday, people walking around town dragging little suitcases on wheels because they've been kicked out of the cheap hotel. Tomorrow, Eccleston and that fur that won't go away... Funny how Petter never said anything. We think we've got the answer for you. Uh, being over 50 is the happiest time of your life. 
the Gladiators Arena has been defaced. Some stupid Russian unemployed person. They want to they want to put him in prison for 20 years. And he said, no, I'm just going to fly out there. What he's doing in the country, I've got no idea. Melanie Sykes breaks down. Ha, 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 ha. And um, the cancer faker has vowed to pay back the money that he stole. All of that and more on LBC with me, Steve Allen, between now and 6.30. On this is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome along to the uh, programme for this morning. Welcome to Monday morning. I know, pretty depressing. Jihadi attack on the UK. Inevitable, say the top brass. Lewis Hamilton races to a second world title. Yawn. Being over 50 is the happiest time of your life. Gino DeCampo has quit Celebrity Juice. I mean, to be honest with you, it's tacky and cheap and vile, and I wouldn't even be bothering to watch it ever again. Uh, the cancer fakers vowed to pay back the money he stole. The young are the new poor, and the case against Bill Cosby, it seems to build on a daily basis. Oh, and what happened to Adele? She didn't want to do the Bob Geldof single. She's decided she just wants to put her feet up. She makes a lot of money, about eight grand every day. Oh, that we should be so good as her. And somebody just said to me, it's interesting, somebody sent in a tweet saying, leaving your child for ten minutes is neglect. Didn't hear you calling for the McCanns to be done for neglect. You want to wash your ears out then and listen a bit more carefully. Because I called for that ages ago. But there again, you know, can't, can't preach to the converted, can we really? Uh, Steve had a phone call on Friday saying they were from a company, from a, a global technical support group, and asking if the complete computer is slow logging on and to switch the computer on a scam just to make people aware. Well, where do they get your phone call from? Where do they get your phone number from? You see, when you have to ask the question, you know, when you ask these people, I never, ever answer the telephone. Never answer the telephone. I don't know why people look at it and go, I wonder who that is. Hello? You know, why would you ever answer it? How dumb do you have to be to answer the telephone to somebody? You just go, no, don't know what you're talking about, and put the phone down. It's easy. I never understand why, as I say, that's why people get scammed nowadays. You know, don't ever, ever fall for it. It's, it's a shame. It's a shame. There's nothing you can do, is there? There is nothing that you can do about this at all. It's just that some people are daft and pick up the telephone and go along with these companies. Oh, yes, what, what would you like me to do now? I'll just go and get my, my checkbook. The sort code, 2016-1900, yes. And my name, Mrs Brisket, yes. Um, I keep about £50,000 in there, yes. You know, that's that's how dumb it is. That's how dumb it is. Anyway, so here they are. You can make the journey with the talentless ones from the X Factor live tour, where next year you can book to see Andrea Faustini, Ben Haynow, Haynow, Fleur East, Jay James, Lauren Platt, Only the Young, Stereo Kicks and Stevie Ritchie. Oh, there's no Chloe, is there? She's not there. They didn't want you, dear. They didn't want you at all. So you can, you can go and see them in Belfast. That's where they kick off. And uh, it'll be fantastic. This tour... It's one of the most successful arena tours in the UK over the past ten years, so don't miss the opportunity to catch this year's stars. They're not stars. They'll be forgotten by the time the next series come round. But uh, there again, suckers. You want to fall for it every time? It's your business. It's your business. I don't really care. Makes no difference to me at all. Uh, somebody will draw comparison to the McCann's and this child in the car, says Andy. You cannot leave children. I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. I don't care whether you're going for dinner. I don't care what you're doing. I've said a million times, that's why it was so laughable, you know, obviously this person is, is fairly new to the world and hasn't heard this programme before. I said, nobody leaves children. Nobody leaves children. 
not up to me to decide, you know, if somebody's in another country, whether they can get sort of charged with, with neglect. But you don't leave children alone while you go off for dinner. I'm sorry, I've never heard of it before. Especially with no babysitter. What happens if a fire breaks out? What happens, you know, all sorts of horrible things would go through your mind. My godchildren, from the age of zero, got taken out to dinner, whether they wanted it or not. And they sat there and they fell asleep in their prams and that was, that was it. That's what you do with them. You take them out. You know, nothing nicer when you're a baby, is there? They're being taken out. You have a little bit of food and then just go to sleep. You know, because the, the hubbub in a, in a restaurant and the noise keeps you asleep. I've never heard of just leaving people. And that's why with this woman and leaving the child in the car for ten minutes, it doesn't matter whether it's ten minutes. I mean, she was lucky it was only ten minutes. Say there'd been a queue in the chemist and it had been fifteen minutes. And she'd got back and the child would have gone missing. You just can't do it. You can't do it. I don't know why anybody would, you know, why didn't you take the child with you? Ridiculous. Uh, Frankie Fraser has loads of stories about London Underworld. Trouble is, nobody's been alive to contradict him. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He was doing tours of London. I mean, he's about the last one left, I should imagine, who actually knows, you know, what it was like then. Who actually knows, because he's 90. Nobody else would, uh, would ever sort of bother. Mad, bad and sad. You know, the Billy Hill bash in 1955, he was all of this. You know, they say he's tough. Well, he's not. He's dying, isn't he? He's 90 years old. I mean, you know, he'd be lucky to see the weekend. So he's in, he's in the sheltered accommodation. So he didn't even make any money. Because he got paid 50 quid a time to slash people with razor blades. 50 quid. Where does 50 quid go? I should imagine in those days, nobody ever thought about it. They just went, oh, the money's going to last forever. And it was a turf war. And he was, he was the enforcer. Charlie Richardson and Eddie Richardson's enforcer. He had a torture chamber. He would torture people. That's, you know, that's what it was like. As I say, nowadays, you don't need to do anything like that at all. You just, as I say, you access somebody's computer and they give you all the information. It's only because we got wise to it. Only because we got wise to it. And I'm sceptical of anything that comes in on the telephone. Absolutely anything. I always think, where'd you get my number from? And I've said to people over the years, you know, where'd you get this, this uh, address from? They said, oh, it's on file. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's why, you know, every time you, you buy something, if you've got a, a credit card, they know everything about you. Every time you go to the supermarket, be it Tesco's or Marks and Spencer's, everything that you've done is logged on a computer. So they know your card number. They know your spending habits. They know exactly how much you would spend every week. They know these things. They know these things. So it always amazes me that people go, well, how do they know? Because you've, given a, you've paid for your food on a credit card. Once you pay on, on a credit card, they've, they, they, they can sort of track you. They know where you are. So when people have sort of gone missing, they've gone, well, wait a minute, they've just used their card in Venice. And now they're using it in Botswana or they use, you know, you, you can be tracked. On your telephone, you can be tracked. So, you know, if they can find you that way, they can find you any other way. Uh, Tim Haynes is the man arrested for leaving his two-year-old daughter in a car while he popped into a chemist to get her Calpol. He found two policemen waiting for him when he returned to his uh, tot, Iset, ten minutes later. Iset? Is that the name of the child? Iset? I've never heard of that name before. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, the family law advocate was charged with child neglect and his five kids were put on the protection register. He's got five children. It took a year for him to clear his name after battling with Worcestershire County Council. West Mercia Police said it had a duty to investigate all concerns regarding the care of children. So it does. So it does. I should imagine here. If you, if, if you went, just supposing you walked out onto the high street now, during the daytime, and there's a car on, on um, you know, a parking meter, and inside, and it was locked, and the windows were done up, and inside you could see a child in a kiddie. Would you not call the police? 
Or would you just sort of leave it there, thinking it would just sort of suffocate by itself? Can't believe that people wouldn't call the police. Of course you'd call the police. You'd absolutely call the police. First thing you'd do, to make sure the child was all right, you know. And then when, you know, somebody comes back and they go, oh, I was only a couple of minutes in the chemist. But if there'd been a queue of ten people in there, or, so, or three people, and somebody was getting a prescription, it might be 15 minutes. You know, what's an acceptable amount of time to leave a child alone? And the answer is, you know, no time. You don't walk out of a car and just leave a child in there. There have been cases, in fact, I seem to remember a very well-known one a while ago, of somebody who pulled into a garage, okay, and they fill up with sort of petrol. They go in to pay for the petrol. What have they done? They've left the keys in the ignition. I mean, you know, dumb of the dumb. And so somebody gets in the car and drives off. As they've driven off, they've turned around and seen there's a child in a kiddie seat in the back. So they've driven to where they want to go and then they just dump the car. But uh, but there is that danger. Whenever I, I'm in the car, automatically the doors lock. Secondly, whenever I put petrol in or I pump the tyres up, I take the key out of the car. I wouldn't dream of leaving the key in the car. And I certainly wouldn't dream of leaving children in there ten minutes or otherwise. How do you know when you leave that car how long you're going to be away for? You don't know. You have no idea at all. Uh, more on the uh, the people in the jungle. Jimmy Bullard, daft as a bat, but uh, and it turns out that he knows one of the people who works on the programme. Uh, Melanie Sykes, um, really, she's been breaking down already. Misses her boys, but her decision to go in there. Jake Quickenden, um, got a picture of his dad and brother to cheer him up, but both have died. It's a cheering thought, isn't it? I don't quite understand how that is. This is obviously some sort of sick thing that they're doing. Also, he's not a celebrity, he's a nobody. He's absolutely nobody. He's a failure. He's not even touring on the X Factor Tour. He's that much of a failure. Nadia Ford. I mean, she's, uh... Who is she? Nobody. Some Irish model. Vicky Michelle. Suspicious of everyone and everything. Nothing gets past her. Good for you. Carl Fogarty. I've never even heard of him. Apparently races motorbikes or something. Uh, Michael Burke. Well, he looks like he's on his last legs, poor soul. I mean, he looks like he's about to peg it any time now. Edwina Curry, still rabbiting on about being a politician, <laughs> despite having spent half a century doing reality television. I think she's done most things. Kendra Wilkinson, a Playboy bunny. And that just about says it all. And Tinchy Strider. I mean, a man who his street cred has gone out of the window. Tinchy Strider doing I'm a Celebrity. That, that's for people who don't have a career anymore. That's for the people like Edwina Curry, who only, can only talk about, you know, when she was an MP, you know, or when she did all these other reality shows that she's done. It's all terribly tedious. Terribly tedious. Uh, Ronan Keating's coming into the West End. I believe the opening is tonight. I was invited, but I can't go. I would have been in good company. Claire Sweeney and Carol Vorderman are going, because Ronan is appearing in the West End, and he's still convinced that hordes of screaming fans will cause chaos. I, I, I don't think so. I don't think it works like that in theatre. It's completely different. He's at the Phoenix Theatre, uh, where he's performing in the musical version of Once. And um, he's, he's getting a bit worried about the fact that he might be mobbed out there. I think you, you tend to find that theatre audiences are a little bit different from everybody else. They, they, they can actually... It's only a little theatre, the Phoenix. It's quite nice. It's quite nice. I'm sure he'll do very well. But I don't think there will be people going, Ah, oh, Roland, oh. Uh, 84850. I completely agree with you says Gordon. In 2002 in Berkshire, two children were killed when a car they'd been left in for a few minutes caught fire. It's just common sense. Well, that's what I worry about. If you, if you go off, you know, and you, and you leave children in a car or whatever, just supposing something happens, 
just supposing, you know, so you, you leave, I don't know, the thing bursts into flames and then people, because it's locked, they can't get in there. What do you do? I, d- I mean, I don't know. Did you read that horrendous story last week of a man who, he was working in a factory and he went into an oven, a giant oven that makes kayaks and things, and somebody just cleaned it all out. The door shut and they, they started the oven and he couldn't get out. He couldn't get out. And his wife worked in another part of the factory. I mean, to be honest with you, that, to me, was the uh, the worst thing I'd ever heard. Quarter past five. Morning, everybody. Nick Ferrari and the team with you at seven o'clock this morning as nurses, midwives and hospital workers stage a second strike in a month. Nick will be asking, are we putting patients at risk over a pay rise? Plus, Nick's... Uh, talking exclusively to the parent who faced losing the children when she left a two-year-old child alone for ten minutes to go and buy some medicine. I think it was a man, actually. It was a man who left the child alone, a man. And uh, that's after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Sarah Jane Mee, sports presenter for Sky News, uh, will be in the studio looking at the papers. I've just realised what um, Ronan Keating has asked for in the Phoenix Theatre when he goes on stage, because he's so worried about the fans rushing the stage to touch him. Uh, he's asked for the front row to be moved back. Um, apparently, somebody said he's not being a diva. Uh, he just is taking precautions through years of experience. I don't want to point this out to you, Ronan Sweetpea, but that was that was years ago. That was, the thing, things are mo- most of your fans are, are, are sort of thirty plus. They're not going to be rushing the stage anytime soon. It's, it's the theatre. They're, they're paying a lot of money to go and sit there and watch you perform. That's how it works. I don't think they're going to be rushing the stage. I found a, a super fan. We find super... Did you see Barry Manilow turned up on the television the other day? Was he inside out? I didn't quite understand which way round he was. He was sort of... His face looked slightly peculiar. But anyway, super fan Theresa Young has been to see Guess Which Comedian 331 Times. Which comedian has she been to see 331 times? She comes from Cardiff. She says he's the best comedian in the world. He's the most loving, caring and nicest. And um, apparently she says he cheers me up no end. He keeps me going. Who has she been to see 331 times? Well, you'd never guess in a million years. Jim Davidson. (laughs) I know. I couldn't believe it either. Jim Davidson. She's been to see. She says that Jim has helped her cope with the skin cancer, basal cell carcinoma. Wow. Some achievement, isn't it, really? Although we have found somebody... We were talking about texts earlier on, and uh, Nathan Hagman was caged for four months. Uh, He's a thug. He won a million pounds on Anton Deck's Axe TV show, Red and Black, because it was just dreadful. It was just one of those programmes that just didn't work at all. Anyway, he was caged for four months after sending this unnamed woman more than 400 texts in two days. 400 texts. He sent the messages at the rate of one every seven minutes. He admitted harassing the woman in her 30s when he appeared before the town's magistrates less than a week after he'd begun his text campaign. He's a bricklayer. He's obviously a bit stupid as well. He has been jailed before. He's no stranger to prison food. He was jailed for five years for ABH on his ex-girlfriend, Amy Edwards. And then he served two and a half years for attacking a man to keep his winnings from the flop ITV show. It's all a bit bizarre, isn't it? So he spent most of his time in, in prison. And then he dumped his uh, long-time girlfriend. He called her a money grabber. He chucked Jane Makepeace out and threw her 60 quid for a cab just three, three weeks after he asked uh, her to marry him. Odd, isn't it, really? So, anyway, back in prison again. And uh, the World Scrabble Championships has been won by Britain for only the second time. 
My mother used to enjoy Scrabble. I'm not particularly good at it. I'm OK. I can do the small words and if of two, when, you know, and that kind of stuff. But I can't do anything complicated. 100 players from 25 countries took part. And um, the guy who won, Craig, uh, he won the fourth game with a score of 440, including 42 for the word Talak. I wouldn't even... I've never even heard of the word Talak. T-A-L-A-Q, which means Muslim for divorce. Which is odd, because I didn't think Muslims got divorced. But anyway, and that's what he got. He got 42 points. So he did very well, didn't he? Very, very well indeed. But my favourite story in the papers this week is the story of a pensioner. Alan Reid is his name. He's 84. So he's... uh, He deserves to sort of have a bit of happiness in his life. 48 years ago, he lost his sight. Guess what? He's just got it back again. For some inexplicable miracle... Uh, A doctor said he'd never see out of his eye because of the pressure built up behind it. Decades later, a cataract began to grow on his healthy eye, so surgeons looked at the damaged one and realised they could give Alan his sight back by relieving the pressure using a procedure not thought possible in the 1960s. So he had this three-hour op in Middlesbrough, and he said he can see again. Imagine being blind for 48 years and then being able to see, or or failing that. We have had cases before of people who've been blind since birth who can now see. And this was this this complicated dilemma we had, wasn't it, when sort of somebody said, so what's it like? And I think all the people who've ever experienced their sight back after being blind for all their life went, it's so bright. Because they live in a world of grey and black. And even though they don't know they're grey and black, they're just because it's so good trying to explain to somebody what colour is. Because if, if you've never seen colour, why would you know? The sea's blue. Pfft, what's blue? Well, it's like the sky. Well, doesn't mean anything to me. Sky's grey. Yeah, it's that dark colour. They don't, they don't know anything about colours. And grass. What colour's grass? Green. Green. What do you mean green? Green. It's green. Green grass. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Green grass. It's all grey. It's all grey. Uh, Marty Wilde was playing at the Fairfield Halls on Saturday. Jackie and Coolston went. She thought it was fantastic, which is absolutely wonderful. And Gino De Campo, who I did promise to mention this morning, reckons his agent would kill him if he signed up for another series of Celebrity Juice. To be honest with you, you're a bit too old for that kind of thing now, Gino. And, uh, I mean, they, they, they call it racy antics. Have you ever seen Celebrity Juice? It is just the worst programme on the television. And he says, after all this shenanigans of this series, I don't think it's going to be very good for my cooking career. Apparently he sort of lost lots of contracts. Anything family-based, they wouldn't want to be associated with um, with Celebrity Juice at all. So, you know, that's it. He described his stint on the programme as having fun with friends. You're in showbiz, dear. You don't have any friends. Don't be silly. They're just fair. But hello, Gino. Love you. Who is he? Who is he? Gino what? Gino DeCampo. <laughs> Go on, show us the wife. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Apparently, David Beckham's in the paper today. There's some outtakes from this David Beckham into the unknown, which really wasn't the sort of programme I expected. I was expecting him to go into the unknown and remain there. But no, he came back again to do whiskey and pants and everything else. And apparently, Victoria Beckham, I mean, can you believe this? She sobbed uncontrollably when told that David's dream of playing in a fourth World Cup was over. You don't really see Victoria Beckham as knowing anything about football at all, do you really? And she sobbed uncontrollably. Do you think she went, so what are we going to do now for money? I think she probably said that to him. I think that's probably a little bit more likely, isn't it? A little bit more likely. Um, So poor old um, Backshall, Steve Backshall, is out of the dancing. And he went, thanks, Ola. Because apparently they didn't get on at all well. But there again, you know, why would you? Now, I did promise to tell you, 
Well, I got time to tell you about about Harrington House. This is a monument to ambition which has gone awry. And this is the house which is literally just down the road from us here in London, just the other side of Trafalgar Square onto Whitehall. It's what I call a hidden gem. It's a hidden gem because somebody told me about it years ago and I thought, I've got to go and see it. And so I went to see it. So it's near the, near the top of Whitehall, 100 yards or so from Trafalgar Square, and it's got a very bizarre history. As you walk down Whitehall from Trafalgar Square, Craig's Court is found on the left. It runs into a, a small square or courtyard where Harrington House, built in 1702, still stands. It's there. We think it's the only one. I think it was the last privately owned house. I think it's owned by the telephone company, although there are various rumours that are doing the rounds that, in fact, underneath it is a series of railways and tunnels to get you through to the Foreign Office and to some of the secret buildings, which uh, which litter Whitehall. Anyway, um, it still stands uh, after a huge fire destroyed the medieval palace of Whitehall, which ran all the way from Parliament Square up to Trafalgar Square. And so uh, Harrington was convinced that Whitehall Palace would be rebuilt. So if he built his own house near to it, it would leave his own family perfectly poised to, uh, to sort of nip into the court. Unfortunately for him, the palace was never rebuilt. His red brick house was destined to stare forlornly, forlornly at houses of lesser men than the king, but tucked down a blind alley. It escaped successive waves of redevelopment. Uh, by the 1950s, the interior had been remodelled several times and the house was being used as a telephone exchange. But even today, the exterior is very much as it would have been in the early 18th century. It's worth going to see, actually, although there is a slight problem because when you've looked at the house, look down at the surface of the narrow alleyway, for here, in a sense, is where London's pavements have their origins. Until the mid-18th century, London streets had no pavements. Carts and carriage drivers could drive as near to the walls of the house that they liked. And this was the first pavement there. And the, and the pub on the corner used to be an Irish bank. And when you go downstairs, into their downstairs bar and eatery, it's, it's where the money was kept. The offices for the, for the Irish bank were upstairs, but the, uh, the money was all kept downstairs. So go and check out Craig's Court. Put it in on, the, uh, on Google. You'll be as fascinated as I am. It's 5.30. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 6. It's Monday morning. I know you hate Monday morning. Just going back to Craig's Court and uh, and this, this pavement malarkey in London, because we didn't have pavements. They used to have, uh, for ladies to cross the road, there'd be somebody with a brush who would stand by the side of the road and they would brush the mud and the dirt away so that your skirt didn't get covered in it because there were no you look at the early pictures of any major city there were no pavements at all you know you just had to take take your chances i'm afraid so these these sort of sweepers were there to sweep away any sort of you know horse dung and stuff like that to make sure the ladies could cross the road you can imagine when it rained how disgusting it must have been fleet street in itself was possibly one of the worst places. You would have dead animals floating down the middle of Fleet Street because the River Fleet used to go down there. Then it was diverted underground. It used to run underneath our studios. So we used to have lots of rats, I think, just working for us. And, um, and so p- people used to throw everything out the window. There was no sanitation. Everything would be chucked out. So you'd have, I mean, the, you know, the River Thames was so filthy dirty at one time that in the, uh, in the House of Commons they couldn't breathe. So they put up curtains slaked with lime to take the smell away. I mean, it was so, so bad. Anyway, so when you look at 
Craig's Court, just off Trafalgar's, literally at the top, almost opposite the Whitehall Theatre. Uh, London streets had no pavements in those days. So what happened was that cart and carriage drivers could get as near to the walls of the houses. Now, that meant going for a walk, if you were a pedestrian, was a bit dangerous. Because on odd occasions, the uh, on the narrow streets, the carriages got stuck between the houses. Curbstones and pavements began to appear after the then Speaker of the House of Commons, who was a Mr Onslow, got stuck in Craig's Court after a visit to Harrington's house. After attempts to dislodge the carriage failed, a red-faced and by all means very angry Mr Onslow had to be extricated through a hole cut in the carriage's roof. He went back to Parliament on foot, just down the road, and when the next debate on the state of the capital streets was held, he helped vote through a bill that compelled each householder in London to pay for a row of curbstones in front of his or her home. So that started it all down there. Started it all down there. It comes with a with a fascinating history. Uh, Richard says, did you manage to find out how much tub of large Gemma Collins was paid for dipping her fat toe in the jungle? The figure I've seen banded around is 100k. No, nowhere near 100k. Nowhere near. I think for actually coming out early, she it was paid on a daily basis. Paid on a daily basis. So there'd be a fee for it, because she only did a few, I think she did three days or something like that. Uh, she would have probably got around about 30,000, between 20 and 30,000 pounds. I know, it makes you want to be sick, doesn't it? And uh, the, ex- uh, the newspaper exclusive? About 3,000 pounds, I'm told. About 3,000. People will tell you differently, but uh, I have inside knowledge. And uh, she wouldn't get any money for loose women. I don't think they'd be putting any money in her way. I mean, she's just a waste of... And on this morning, she'll just turn up. She'll just turn up for it, but, uh, I mean, effectively, she's sealed her career. Everybody knows she's a waste of space now. We don't, we, don't sort of, we don't sort of bother about her anymore. She can't redeem herself unless she actually makes some sort of effort to, uh, to lose weight and sort of prove herself. It's, as one of the columnists has said today, quite rightly, the only criteria for being a celebrity now is the fact that you can blow your own nose and breathe. You know, preferably not on a life support machine. Uh, I didn't see Barry Manilow Jeff uh, last night. Uh, the face does look slightly odd. You have to remember, he's 71. I don't know whether or not he's had surgery. I, th- I mean, I'm led to believe that American celebrities have surgery like you go out and have a hamburger. They don't, they don't, that's why some of them look really, really peculiar. I wouldn't, I'm, I'm going to have to grow old gracefully or disgracefully, as some people have said, uh, because I don't think I ever want to have somebody cutting my face apart. I'm just, I'm, I'm too much of a coward. You know, I, I might look good for a little while, but then as the rest of your body changes, you have to keep it done. It's like Botox only lasts for a little while. And I keep thinking, do I want Botox? Do I not want Botox? And I think, what would be the point of having Botox? So, so I've got a few lines, not many, not many lines for somebody of my gracious years, 39 and three quarters plus that. Uh, Gary wants to know if I got the toffee vodka open. Do you know, I completely forgot about the toffee vodka by the time I got home, so I didn't, I didn't quite get around to it. I might try it today, actually. Uh, Len says, you can have a go at driving a London bus at Northfield Airfield. If I see where to book up, I'll let you know. Thank you very much indeed. Actually, I'm waiting for the... I'm, I'm a little bit, little bit miffed at the moment. Not, not too miffed, but only a little bit miffed that James O'Brien's had a Christmas card in and I haven't. You know, we can make a big deal about it, but you know, every year we do win the Christmas card competition. It's not actually a competition. I, I, I play it purely by myself in the office. Nobody else bothers. 
You know, they just go, Steve's just, you know, asked for Christmas cards again. So nobody worries about me. They just leave it. But I did notice there was one on the windowsill. It was addressed to James O'Brien. I'm assuming somebody bewildered. Uh, Peter says it's Walker's Wine Bar in Craig's Court. Yes, it is. You should, um, you should have a look at it online because they tell you the history of it being uh, an Irish bank and how downstairs would be the vaults where they kept all the money. I mean, I'm so, so, so love to go back in time. So love. In some cities, they're doing away with pavements. They call it shared streets. I don't want to share the street with anybody. I saw a car parked up on a pavement earlier on. Doesn't sort of do any favours, does it? Uh, read children being left in cars during the summer. I was at a local supermarket and noticed two young children left alone in an, an MPV type of car. I was about 14 years. They, ha- they were no more than 18 months. There was already a man and a lady had noticed and told me they'd been at it for at least five minutes. I waited a few minutes, then I called 999 to report it. Three police vehicles arrived with blue lights on. The children's mother came back saying she'd be no more than five minutes. Liar. The officer took a statement from me, the other witnesses, and the woman says, Peter, I don't think, I mean, I I think if it comes down to it, I think we've all agreed that you cannot leave a child in a car for 10 minutes or 10 seconds. You know, because you just can't do that. You can't do it because you don't know what's going to happen. When they say, I'm only going to be away for a few minutes, what do you mean a few minutes? What do you mean a few? I mean, how long's a few minutes? It's like sort of, um, we, had a, we had a situation the other week. I was trying to record something in the morning and uh, somebody had taken the studio, which is my, my studio in the morning for recording the In Conversation and we use it as well for recording the free podcast. And there was somebody in there recording something. And so I look, I'm trying to catch their attention through the window and they held up a finger and went, one minute, one minute. Ten minutes later, you see? So that's how people don't know. So when somebody goes, I'm just nipping to the chemist, you go, well... Say there's a queue in there. If you see a queue, are you coming back? No. You've seen people do that before. You know, they stick a sign on the car saying, P.S. I love traffic wardens, that kind of stuff. You know, so uh, it's, it's, it's a big problem. It's a big problem. You cannot leave children alone. Say somebody broke into the car and drove off. Think how awful you would feel. How awful. I feel fairly bad actually picking on people with wheels on their suitcases. Venice have banned it. I can't think of any logical reason. Is it because they're noisy? It's because it's noisy. Yeah, but but the Venetian. Have you heard Venetians talking? Stay! Oh, it's so noisy. Shh, quiet. There was somebody on the bus the other day on the phone. Nobody was on their phone except this one bloke. And he was obviously carrying on some sort of diatribe. It was the most boring conversation. When I got off, I wanted to say to him, that was the dullest conversation I've ever heard. They do it on the trains, don't they? It's like people have never spoken. What are they talking about? I never talk to anybody on the train. On my phone or otherwise, the conversation will wait till I get home. So that's why. Noisy and infuriating. When I had wheels on my suitcase, it never went the way I wanted it to go. I went to the left, the suitcase went to the right. Because sometimes the wheels aren't quite strong enough, are they? But otherwise, how do you lift? You can't lift suitcases. It's not possible at all. Rubber wheels. Oh, is that the thing they want? Oh, they, they want rubber wheels. Is it really a suitcase if it's on wheels? It's like, I've always wanted one of those shopping trolleys on wheels, one of those baskets. You put your food in there and you trail around behind it. I quite fancy that idea. I think I've got to that age where I think it's quite appealing. You know, I used to look at people who go, ha, 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 you're too old, you can't carry your shopping. And I'm now thinking, my God, that's a sensible idea. A basket with a, with a covering over the top of it so it doesn't get wet. And you just put it all in there. Except we did see a shoplifter once in M&S in Twickenham. And she was known as a shoplifter in the area. She was old and... Uh, and, and had dementia. And she just loaded up her sort of trolley and then walked out the door. And of course, they had to go, bring it back, bring it back. That's all she did. I found the story about Tamara Eccleston. Um, 
Now, you remember the other day, Tamara Eccleston is reported to have provided her eight-month-old daughter, Sophia, with fur earmuffs. I think they're Fox for £185. Her, <coughs> her husband posted a snap of them on social media site Instagram. Tamara coos, it's so cute, love it. You know, Fox died, so your child can have an earmuff. And um, so, so somebody wrote to, to PETA, the anti-fur organisation, who, who, who responded uncharacteristically calm. Normally they're up in arms. They go, we are sure she wouldn't intentionally contribute to the fur trade. That's Mimi Bekeshi. Well, she's wearing them, dear. What do you think? She's not contributing to the fur. And I thought, wait, there must be some involvement. And, of course, there is. Back in 2011, Tamara Beckwith... Uh, Tamara Eccleston, not Tamara Beckwith, Tamara Eccleston appeared in a PETA anti-fur poster. But, of course, you know, why, why let that spoil it? The girl who is possibly as dim as the proverbial plank... This is the woman who didn't know what toast was. I mean, you know, th- there are certain things which you can say... I can understand you might not understand how a nuclear reactor works. I can understand how you might not work out how an internal combustion engine works. But toast? Are you really that thick? Yep. Same as Naomi Campbell. I'd rather go naked than wear fur. Next picture, Naomi Campbell wearing fur. It happens all the time. So that's why, I mean, you know, pets have gone right down in my estimation. So they jumped down everybody else's throat, but not somebody who's appeared on one of their little posters. Shame on little Mimi. Shame on... That's the best you can manage, is it? The best you can manage. God, God, honestly, a fox died to provide for an eight-month-old child earmuffs. What's she going to be hearing? You can drive my route, Master Bus, if you want, says Mark. It's insured for any driver over 25 and on a car licence. Nice offer of the day, isn't it? Can I drive it anywhere? I definitely wouldn't want to be stopping for people. Uh, the freezing fog's rolling in. I mention that because it is a bit nippy out there this morning. And uh, yesterday you got the rain and it pounded down. I mean, it really was. So now we've got flooding in the country. Now we've got flooding. It just, just doesn't work, does it, I'm afraid? 84850, steve at uk. I've noticed that uh, uh, James O'Brien's producer is on the uh, ball this morning. <laughs> he said he must have sent the card to himself. Either that or it's from Nigel Farage. Oh, how nice that Nigel would think of him in the, in the festive season, ladies and gentlemen. I love the festive season. I think, I think, actually, over the next few days, I'm going to be feeling more and more, more and more festive, I think. I, 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 I still like it. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care whether it's too early. I did criticise one of the girls in MS the other day. She was wearing a hat with a flashing thing at the end. And I went, she went, too soon? I went, just a little bit too soon. But uh, then, there again, my Christmas lights are still up from last year. Quarter to six. Morning, everybody. Ten to six. This coming Friday is the time that you go out and you spend all your money on the Christmas presents. You know, my advice is, and I've said it every year, do it now. Do it this week. It's so much easier. If you, there's something you need to order than the children, then it's better to get it now just to make sure you can get it as opposed to leaving it to the last minute and not being able to get it. That would be the big problem. And then you get disappointed children. And we have heard in the past, have we not, on LBC, of parents who have flown to America to go and get presents because they knew they could get them over there and they can't get them over here. Because every year they say, this is going to be the Christmas present, this is the toy that all the kids are going to be wanting, which means that everybody goes out to get it because the kids go, I want that. And you go, we don't even know what it is. They go, it doesn't matter, everybody wants it. And you can't go back into school, can you? After Christmas, they go, what do you get for Christmas? Um, trainers. But I thought you were going for the computer. Yeah, I got trainers. You know, and all of a sudden, your child is the one who is demonised by the rest of the class. Uh, if you could get Lewis Hamilton in, in conversation, what would you ask him? I would not. I don't know. I have nothing to ask him. 
Nothing to ask him at all. So what's it like putting your foot down on the accelerator? Who cares? I'm, I'm really... I couldn't be less interested in motor racing if it came out and bit me on the bottom. I'm, I really do not understand the appeal of it. I don't understand why people stand there in the stands and, you know, and the cars whiz round and then sometimes they get a flat tyre and they come in and lots of people put a new tyre on it then it goes off again. What's the point of that? If I wanted that kind of excitement, I'd buy a scale trick. Margaret in St Ives says, Back in the 70s, I had a basket on wheels with a yellow cover. I used to walk from Barnes to Waitrose in Sheen every Saturday to do the weekly shop and drag it all the way back. Buying my Mini was a blessing. I know. You put so much on the back seat, can't you? Russell Brown's in the papers again today. Well-known fraudster, Russell Brown. This is the man who sort of is against the rich, but yet he's rich himself. Lives in a very nice house. But you remember in 2007, he was talking about uh, the, the band Pickup Artist. And the band pickup artist is this uh, bloke who said that he, you know, this is how you seduce women. You put your arms around their throat. You do all this kind of stuff. And Russell Brand was talking about uh, Neil Strauss's writing. Turned me from a desperate wallflower into a wallflower who can talk women into sex. That's that's what he he did. He endorsed the author who inspired Mister Mister Blanc last week. He changed his, his tune altogether. Because poor old Russell Brown, not all there in the upstairs department, says any system for chatting up women is in itself questionable. But any that's sort of based on objectifying or undermining women, I would never, 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 never endorse. Funny that, how you change over the years, how one changes, but, you know, never let it spoil Russell Brand, who the BBC seem to think is some sort of guru or something. For whom? I have no idea. What the internet superstar reveals about teenage girls today, and uh, this is a girl who you've probably heard of, she's called Zoella. And she's on the internet. I don't know. I mean, the, the, these people can make a lot of money through their endorsements. And so that's why they're very popular. I've got no idea who she is. I don't, I don't want to try and uh, pretend that I know. Uh, the fresh fish story I did yesterday on the programme. Did you know that it can be up to 15 days old in the supermarket? By which time, of course, it's absolutely lost its, its flavour completely. In fact, cod that's between 12 and 15 days old has got no flavour. I mean, I wonder if you said to the supermarkets, Tesco's, Morrison's, Asda and Sainsbury's, you know, who do fresh fish, um, how old is this? Can you guarantee me? Because believe you me, I'm a chef and I cook. I would know if it's got no, no taste. I would like to find out exactly how old it is. Shouldn't they put a sign on it telling you that, that you know, this is how old we believe it is to be? More on the, uh, uh, the return of uh, Claudia Winkleman going back to Strictly. I don't know, Zoe Ball did a much better job, but she's gone back. And uh, control freak bullies face up to 14 years in jail. Men and women who inflict emotional and psychological cruelty on their other halves will be prosecuted under tough new laws. Theresa May, was she the one, did she do Desert Island Discs the other day? One of them did Desert Island Discs. I never understand why they put politicians on there at all, but, uh, but they do. Uh, Hugh, Hugh Bonneville says, I've killed off the Downton dog. Yeah. Love Hugh Bonneville. What do you mean you haven't downloaded the In Conversation from this week? You have to. Today I'm doing Harry Hill, who's got a new show out, and then it's John Cleese on Friday. So I'm looking forward to that. And don't forget, there's a lot of people we've recorded that you haven't heard yet. So still to come, it'll be the likes of Ray Winston and Dame Shirley Bassey. God, that was, a, that was, an, that was an afternoon interview. That was an afternoon interview. Uh, more on Bill Cosby. Some of the papers have gone uh, big time on this. He's dismissed allegations that he raped a string of women as innuendos, as a new accuser became the first to say she was abused while underage. 
It's not going to go away, this story, is it, in America? It's all going a bit pear-shaped over there for him. He's been, uh, he's been questioned on various shows, and to each and every person, he says exactly the same. Nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, do you remember Wendy Houses? Is it something, you know, is, was it just a little boy thing or a little girl thing? I remember we had one in the garden, so it must have been a little boy thing as well. And it was a metal frame, and then you put this cloth over it, which had a sort of a funny little door thing, and that was your Wendy house. And you could only really use it in the summer, because in the winter it was just ridiculous. You know, there was no central heating in there and no underfloor heating, so you didn't bother with it. Well, Wendy houses are making a comeback. And they've got one now, which is very nice. This is a, this is a wooden building. Uh, they're now fully furnished. They've actually got their own electricity, colour schemes, and they can be custom-built. There's one here, furnished with Roman pillars, castle turrets, as well as swings and a slide. This one comes in a little bit more expensive than you might be used to paying, at just under £13,000. You see, I've always wanted to have a big enough garden that had a treehouse in it. I've always fancied a treehouse. And uh, you can have those put in, but they cost thousands, some of them, absolutely thousands. But now they, uh, the owner of this company, Lilliput Playhomes, uh, a guy called Stephen Chernicki, says, 20 years ago, my wife and I searched for a playhouse for our daughter, Alicia, but were unable to discover it. So we, we, we actually created it. It was the first Victorian mansion playhouse. Actually, talking of people with those pillars, the Doric pillars, do you remember the, the guy the other day, the second-hand car dealer, who had the flags, the England flags outside his house and all that rumpus. And then it turns out that he's never voted, which kind of strikes me as being slightly odd. In fact, I don't think he really is aware of what's sort of going on, but they're sort of hawking him around a bit at the moment. And, um, and I couldn't quite understand why a second-hand car dealer would be driving a white van. I didn't... I still never got an answer to that one from the other day. Unpalatable truth about your supermarket duck. I do like duck, but do you buy it from the supermarket? Have you ever bought duck? In Waitrose, they sell duck feet. Duck feet? I can't think of anything worse. Why would you want to eat duck feet? Oh, dear me. But anyway, we've got a, a special report today. Uh, 10,000 of them in a shed with no water to paddle in, and ducks want to go... Because pa- they've never seen water. And the RSPCA hasn't approved any farm behind the booming food trend at all. After this bird flu, they're made to be on water, but they, but they don't get it. The trouble is, they don't know if they've never seen it, do they? It's like all these... Uh, places that do farm fresh, you know, and uh, our, our hens are allowed to run free outside. And, of course, in a lot of cases, it turns out they are, but they don't go outside because chickens are a bit bit frightened. So what they do is they stick them all in a barn, and I've been in some of these places, thousands upon thousands, and they keep them in there for about a week. Then they open the doors. Well, because by that time, the chickens are only used to being inside. They don't want to go outside. They don't know what's outside. So they don't go outside, so they stay inside. But it means that they can charge extra for them because they can actually say that these are, these are birds that are allowed to walk about outside. It's like buying your turkey at Christmas. The Norfolk bronze turkeys apparently are very happy. I don't, well, they're probably very happy until somebody says to them, you're going to die at Christmas. You know, and then they go, what do you mean die at Christmas? Well, up until now, somebody's looked after us. Yeah, but it's not going to happen, is it? And we do like turkey. God of the days of seeing butcher shops with turkeys hanging upside down. Used to see that all the time. Hillmans, I think, have got uh, pictures of their uh, of the outside of their shop, and they would have all of this there. They would have, you know, birds hanging outside. Even in Twickenham, I think we had two butchers' shops in Church Street, and they at Christmas would hang rabbits and ducks and pheasants and chicken, everything out outside. Strikes me as being a bit freaky now, isn't it, really? I don't really want to walk past a shop and see all of this hanging outside there. Not so good. Prince Charles has been accused of having shabby sofas. 
because he, he appeared on Country File last year. He wore a, a barber-style coat, patched up with so many different pieces of leather, they admitted he could hardly move. But the royal family don't spend money on clothes. They're not... Uh, the Queen's quite, quite frugal. And so now... They say that his, uh, his income and funding last year was about £22 million. His sofa is very shabby at Clarence House. In fact, it's threadbare on parts. But I bet you anything, they'd be going, why do we need to buy a new sofa? There's nothing the matter with the sofa that we've got. We don't need to buy another one. And so they wouldn't. they just hang on to it. And it becomes, you know, just the sort of thing that we all laugh at. And we go, look at that, £22 million and can't even afford a new sofa. It's because they don't think it's necessary to waste that kind of money. I don't think they do waste money, the royal family. I think they're very, very careful. I think it's a lot of, lot of hand-me-downs, but they made a big thing about it in the paper today, saying, look at this, he's got all this money coming in and he still can't afford a decent sofa. Still to come on the programme, what's become of Adele? What has become of her? Being over 50 is apparently the happiest time of your life. Mad Frankie Fraser... Uh, they reckon he could go any time soon. They think he's being kept alive on a machine. Great British sell-off. This is this Friday, Black Friday, when you're going to be spending, apparently, quite a few billion pounds. And I'm assuming it's going to be the sale before Christmas. Because let's face it, most of the sales occur on, uh, occur on Boxing Day. Uh, Danny Dyer picking up a dodgy du- duo as his son's godparents. 68,000 NHS workers assaulted in a year. And Nicole Kidman braved the rain for the London premiere of Paddington the movie. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. Good morning. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. I'm with you till 6.30. According to the Express today, a veg diet, a vegetable diet, will beat diabetes. They're obsessed with this beating diabetes. And all it's to do with is trying to keep your weight down. Exercise can beat diabetes. You know, vegetables are good for you, whether you're diabetic or otherwise. Although I was talking to somebody over the weekend, and they said they've just met a seven-year-old who's just been diagnosed as diabetic. And that is a bit of a life change, isn't it? Venice has banned the suitcases with, with wheels. Way too noisy, way too noisy. Mad Frankie Fraser, he really is mad, certifiable, twice. The uh, Colosseum, defaced in Rome. It's shocking. Melanie Sykes breaks down, and we laughed. Because that's what we're looking for, isn't it, in the I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, or I'm a celebrity, are you really? And um, it's, what amazes me is the people who go in there obviously seriously believe they are a celebrity. Which is funny now, because as one of the columnists has pointed out, it seems that you only have to have the ability to breathe and blow your own nose that actually makes you a celebrity. Because anybody can do it. It's Carol Ann Rice writing in Happy Mondays today, talking about Gemma Collins was right to leave the show. She should have never been there in the first place. The term celebrity has become so loose that just possessing the ability to talk nonsense or breathes. I mean, nobody's remotely interested in Gemma Collins. I mean, she is the classic example of the waste of space. She is the classic example of somebody who's done absolutely nothing. She can't juggle, she can't read, she can't write, she can't speak properly. What what is the point? It's because somebody becomes famous because they're on the television. They become famous for being famous. You either get famous nowadays through uh, being on a reality show and trying to make the most of yourself, or you go on the X Factor, or if you, or if you go on, you know, Britain's Got Talent, uh, and sometimes you get a bit of coverage in the newspapers, and sometimes the papers aren't really interested in you. I know no end of people who do. You only have to look at them. Go to OK Magazine, classic example of going through OK Magazine. Look at the back with all the parties of the week. You'll see the same faces cropping up again and again and again. again. There's some Irish girl whose name I can't remember at the moment, and she turns up to the opening of a fridge door. I mean, she really is that dull. And still, she's not managed to make it really very big at all. She just sort of turned that and go, oh, it's her again. I think her name's Laura Whitmore. 
And to be honest with you, it's just a little bit embarrassing. She's so she's trying so desperately hard, but nobody's that interested. Nobody's that interested. Um, the cancer faker. It's a man who faked cancer, and people set up a a thing for him. They raised two and a half thousand pounds, and uh, then he turned out that he was lying. So he said, "I said I will give it back. I will give the money back." Let's go through the front pages, shall we? Let's let you know what you're looking at uh, today. Apart from uh, the vegetable diet on the Express today, UKIP surged to second place in new poll. And Susanna Reid. Oh, God, how dreary. Honestly. I'm so glad when she was on the BBC, there was no coverage of this boring person. Now she's on a programme with no audience. You get her all the time. Uh, front page, oh, she's talking about she's happy to live with her ex. Lovely. Uh, Nailbiter for Lewis. Uh, Nicole. Nicole with her new nails. Lewis Hamilton racing to the world title. It's a lovely picture in some of the paper of her kissing his helmet. And that's, that's quite sweet in some of the papers. Plus Britain facing an almost... Inevitable attack by fanatics who've been militarised by Islamic State. That's according to police and security officials. In speeches today, Theresa May and senior police will warn that the diverse terrorist threat posed by jihadis returning from Syria and Iraq is one of the greatest this country has ever faced. Just have to be vigilant. Front page of the, uh, the Metro. Lewis Hamilton again. Sorry to sound so bored about the whole thing. I just don't get motor racing. I don't get a lot of things like that. I don't get bowls either, but I'm sure it's lovely for those people who partake in it. Uh, British girls set out to fight IS terror in Syria. And uh, they fear that she's on her way out there. She's uh, from North London, Kurdish descent, believed to be heading to Syria after taking the Eurostar to Belgium last week. See, it's funny, we know who these people are. We know who they are. They're just sort of all out there, aren't they? And they, they track them. And then they go, ah, we never knew that they were going to be like this. Never knew that they were going to be like that. 100 were shot dead. More than 100 Islamic militants have been killed by Kenyan security services in retaliation for an attack on a bus. Fleeing members of the Somali-based Al-Shabaab group were hunted and killed after they murdered 28 non-Muslims on a Nairobi-bound bus in northern Kenya on Saturday. William uh, Ruto, who's the deputy president, said, for any attack on Kenya and its people, we shall pursue you wherever you go. Uh, Sir Bernard Hogan Howe is uh, talking about this terror threat and says it doesn't take an awful lot of organising. It doesn't take too many to conspire together. There's no real complexity to it. What it means is that we've got a very short time to intervene. So they're obviously aware of it. Uh, Melanie Sykes, Gino DeCampo, told me to spice it up, but I'm not that naughty. Uh, Gino DeCampo has just quit the Celebrity Juice programme because, to be honest with you, if he thinks that's doing his uh, his career good, his children must be so embarrassed. So embarrassed. And uh, the papers, because that shooting came a little bit later, uh, and they will tomorrow be concentrating on the shooting of this 12-year-old boy in America, in Cleveland. He's in a play area, he's on a swing, and he's got a pistol. Now, they don't know... That it's a fake pistol. If you see, you'll see the pictures of it tomorrow. You'll have no idea whether that's a fake. If you were a police officer and somebody said, OK, you've got a second to make a decision. Is he going to fire that pistol at you and kill you? Or are you going to fire at him? Irrespective of whether he's a 12-year-old boy, they'd asked him twice, put your hands up. And he reached for his belt for the gun. It was a fake gun. Little did he realise they were using real guns and real bullets and they shot him dead. I mean, it is one of those things, but it's a decision that police officers have to make probably most days. Most days. I mean, the officers have been placed on administrative leave because they don't know, do they? How would you know? Somebody, somebody takes a gun out, whether they're 12 or 50, and holds it up and points it at you and you go, 
Whoa, he's got a gun. And it looks real to me. I don't see that many guns, it has to be said. I'm sure the cheery girl from the ad on the television could do Prince Charles a good deal, Steve, for the new sofa and guaranteed delivery by Christmas Eve. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> I'm getting what every 40-something man should have on his Christmas list, says Mark. A disco lighting showerhead. But I've noticed there are two kinds. One with batteries, one without. Uh, the one without. Why would you want one with batteries? The one that just works on the oops, works on the water pressure is absolutely fine. Kids love it. First time you turn it on, you'll, be, you'll laugh. Because your bod- body is bathed in blue light. That's all I can tell you. Uh, the independent, the young or the new poor, 20-somethings in work, are as likely as the unemployed to live in poverty. The over-65s are better off than ever, with the lowest poverty rate of any age group. More on that one. Uh, revealed in the Times today, Tory Wright turning the heat on Cameron over Europe, and uh, Lewis Hamilton, who managed to drive faster than anybody else, with Nicole Scherzinger. Yeah, well, we like Nicole Scherzinger, but just a bit bored with the fact she's another American over here. You know, obviously no work in America because she's doing all the adverts. She's doing just about everything. So I'm sure it's wonderful. Sparkling moment for Hamilton is the front page of the Telegraph. Why are we obsessed with racing cars? Why are we obsessed? Coalition abandons target to reduce migration. And their star interview is Bette Midler for the Telegraph today on sex, survival and self-respect. Also, the... uh, Poisonous bacteria found on chicken packaging. Did you know they, they did this on the television the other day? You know when you go into a pub and they've got peanuts on the bar, they say you should never, ever touch them. They've got 42 different types of urine on them because people don't wash their hands when they use the lavatory. And so people come out and they put their hands in, in peanuts. So never, ever touch them. The only peanuts you should have is the, those that come in a little packet and then you, can, uh, then you can enjoy them. But uh, peanuts in a big bowl. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Um, and Sue says, I went to the cinema yesterday to see the new Paddington film, and it was brilliant. The grandchildren thoroughly enjoyed it. Somebody says, that, that Jake's a bit of all right. This is the failure. This is the one who's laughing in a programme called I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And he was the one who was kicked off ages ago. He's not even going on the X Factor tour. They think he's that low rent. Him and, him and Chloe... Nowhere to be seen. They're not interested. Uh, Front page of The Sun. Again, it's Lewis Hamilton. Again. God, dear. And the booze battle exclusive. Gaza, I have to save myself. Yes, Paul Gascoigne staring into the distance again. Also, The Sun's vigil as mad Frankie Fraser goes into a coma. He's on a life support machine. He's 90. If you want to know all about him and his chequered history, then uh, just go and Google him. You'll find all sorts of stuff about him. He's one of the last, I suppose, gangsters... And it, we make it sound glamorous, but believe you me, there was nothing glamorous about Mad Frankie Fraser. He was not called Mad for you know any other reason apart from the fact he was stark, staring, mad, certifiable psychopath twice, twice, and uh, he's in his last throes. But he's the last of it. They made no money at all. I don't think any of those old gangsters made any money. They're all just sort of clinging on to memories. I think he ended up doing tours. Of the old haunts of, you know, this is this building over here, that's that used to be the craze hangout. And they did that kind of stuff, which is quite nice for them, but now he's he's gone a bit round the twist and a bit gaga and he's in a he's in sheltered accommodation. So uh, I don't know how much longer he's got. It's a toss up really, isn't it? But he is he is the last one out of all of these people who used to dominate the newspapers. It's quarter past six. They- Morning, everybody. 6.20. At least it's not raining. I mean, for that, we should be eternally grateful. Uh, Sam Friend has been driving home. He says, just a quick thanks for making it a good drive. Well, I'd like to do my best. I'd like to do my best. And uh, who's been following me? Dan, 
Anthony and Cathy have all started following, which is good news. Uh, don't forget, you can download this uh, programme. We have a free podcast for you up before 7 o'clock this morning, which if you download the app on the LBC website, makes it much easier because it just sends it to you straight away. OK, and then we have a paid-for podcast, which is this programme. I have to try and remember which bit's free and which bit isn't free anymore. And so you could do that. If you go to the LBC website, you can learn all about podcasting. It's lbc.co.uk. And you can go to my page on there. And there's lots of exciting pictures which make me look terribly good looking. But uh, as we all know, pictures are terribly deceiving. Terribly deceiving. I was, I was going through everybody as I was looking at, uh, at Sam's picture. And uh, Sam's got one picture on his front page, and then you go into... I love going into people's photos on Twitter. I find it hilarious. I spent my entire life doing this. And then you can see exactly what he looks like when he's not posing. I don't know what he does, actually. It's a bit difficult to tell. A bit difficult, especially some of, some of the pictures that he's actually got there. He did go to Osborne House, and he's joined up. So he's obviously a very intelligent person. I think everybody should join up. You know, to, to go around to all these fantastic places. I think you really should. And for some reason, he's got a picture of the Spice Girls. Now, explain that one to me. And also, one person who looks like she's one of the... Bi- they had a girl on Made in Chelsea the other day, and I think she's called... Toff. Have you seen her? I th- Toff, her name is. I think it's short for Toffee, or something like that. T-O-double-F. And... She's she's not all there in the brain department. She's a bit peculiar, actually. She's slightly peculiar. But also, but the only thing I noticed about her, which made her stand out, apart from Oliver Proudlock and wearing a hat, sitting down for dinner. I've never heard of such a thing in my life. The man must be a complete ignoramus. But this girl, her roots were so bad that her hair at the front was blonde and at the back it was black. It was really bad. And I thought, that looks really cheap. Anyway, I just thought I'd mention that, you know, as I notice these things. Uh, the Daily Mirror... The NHS staff attacked every hour. I think they need to come down really hard, the courts, on things like this. If we have to build new prisons, let's, let's come down hard. Uh, Lewis and Nicole driven to tears. I couldn't, I couldn't be less interested. I'm so sorry. The great British sell-off, the bargain hunters, rushing out there. I was in London on Saturday, as I, you know, I came in for brunch, which was lovely. But my God, it was busy. My God, it was busy. I've never known a place that was so, so busy. I mean, everywhere was heaving. When we went into Bill's and they said, oh, you know, have you booked? I went, no, we live in London. We're not tourists. I don't book for restaurants. (laughs) I just do it. I just do it. Um, More in the papers today on um, the friends serving on the front line in the Syrian carnage. This is a former British soldier who's become a mercenary to fight Islamic State terrorists in Syria. Uh, other stories, the uh, the outrage over the rocketing number of attacks. And stuff. I mean, 68,000 NHS workers assaulted in a year. What are we doing about it? Not a lot at the moment. And detectives have arrested a suspected sixth member of the racist gang who murdered Stephen Lawrence and kept it a secret for nearly a year. My favourite story is the newborn boy found alive after five years... F- sorry, five, y- five days... Five days in a drain. His mum has been charged with attempted murder, but they found him. It was 07, and he survived. Is that not the uh, is that not the Christmas miracle, ladies and gentlemen? Apart from the pensioner, who actually got his sight back after 48 years, that's a Christmas miracle. I like that. There will be, of course, in the papers, the, uh, the story of the turkey that we saved for Christmas. There'll be a turkey that probably escaped going to the Rudolph or something stupid. And uh, well, they'll just eat him quietly when, when all the fuss has gone away. You might be vegetarian, in which case I do apologise. A lot of people have been to see the, uh, the Paddington film and loving it. And um, somebody says, uh, 
in the paper the other day. I'm a nobody, and what am I doing here? Yes, I, th- I think that's what we should start calling all these things, isn't it? When are you going to start telling us about your Christmas lights and preparations? Well, I've already said that I'm here on Christmas Day. What you've done to deserve this, I have no idea, but I'm going to be here between 7 and 10 on Christmas Day, 7 and 10 on Boxing Day, and between 7 and 10 in the morning on New Year's Day. The rest of the time, it's, it's going to be normal. We'll have a special... Uh, in conversations, special, special, and there'll be some other in conversations, and it'll be wonderful because we've got so many of these interviews that we haven't actually sort of got round to yet. So you will be hearing a lot of them. We found another benefits cheat. I thought the day is not complete as far as I'm concerned, unless we mention a benefits cheat. This is the one who swindled money by claiming she was a single parent, but she was caught out. Why? Because she was dumb, like most of them are, and she signed the Christmas cards from Kelly, Paul, and the kids. Kelly Young says company director Paul was the landlord of her £300,000 home. Officials were tipped off. He was also her partner after he appeared on the cards. Pregnant Young of Waterfoot got an eight-month suspended jail term after she admitted not reporting a change in circumstances. She made £50,000. You see, as far as I'm concerned, we take it all back. I couldn't care. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you can rob it, but we're coming to throw you out on the streets. And as far as I'm concerned, you can live in a tent. You know, you've robbed the elderly, you've robbed the infirm, you've robbed the sick. All these sort of people, these people. £50,000, you dumbo. You should have gone straight to prison. I noticed, actually, coming down Piccadilly, in one of the doorways of one of the shops, one, one man set a tent up. He's actually got a tent in the doorway. Not that I think a tent will make any difference. I've got to go, I've just realised. Thank you so... I can't believe it, honestly. This time whizzes through. Producer was just saying she could sit here for another 30 seconds, at least. So anyway, so we're, we're, we're going to toddle off and go and record our free podcast. Have a fantastic day. Uh, I shall talk to you tomorrow morning at four. Don't forget, if you go to the LBC website, you can learn about the, uh, the podcasting and a free podcast up for you in 30 minutes. Nick Ferrari and the team with you at seven o'clock this morning. You'll have a lot to talk about there. Coming up next, though, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. Steve Allen on LBC.